1: Tonight, we start with Inner Sanctum, and the title is intriguing, The Man Who Couldn't Die, starring Richard Widmark. Now, Widmark made his debut as a radio actor back in 1938 on Aunt Jenny's real-life stories. In 1941 and 42, he was heard daily on the mutual broadcasting system in the title role of the daytime serial Front Page Feral, the story of a crack newspaper man. During the 1940s, Widmark was also heard on such radio programs as Gangbusters, The Shadow, and tonight we hear him on the episode, The Man Who Couldn't Die on Inner Sanctum.
2: Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. This is your host of the Inner Sanctum inviting you in through the creaking door. Come on in and enter into the spirit of things. <laughs> oh, uh, don't pay any attention to those gurgling sounds you hear. They're the unfortunate ones, the midnight spirits who were caught haunting before midnight. Poor things. All they can do now is gurgle because they've evaporated. ...into distilled spirits.
3: What a horrifying thought, Mr. Host. Can't we ever talk about the brighter side of life?
2: Well, don't forget, Mary, murder is my business.
3: Well, thank goodness it isn't mine. And right now, I'd much prefer to talk with our Lipton listeners... ...about something more conducive to happy spirits. I mean, a cup of hearty, piping hot Lipton tea. You know, it's really wonderful. The extra delight you get from this superb tea, friends... And the reason is simply this, Lipton's grand, brisk flavor. Brisk, you know, is the tea expert's own word for the fresh, full-bodied, lively flavor of Lipton tea. Because unlike ordinary teas, Lipton's is never flat-tasting or lifeless. Lipton tea is always spirited, full-flavored, truly satisfying. Why, I'd even go so far as to say that once you've tried it, I think you'll enjoy Lipton tea more than any other tea you've ever tasted.
2: And I'll go even further, Mary, and introduce our listeners to tonight's story. It's an original radio play written especially for Inner Sanctum by Emil Tepperman and starring Richard Widmark in the role of Alex Gregory. It's about a man who became master of a secret so fearful that it could never be revealed to any mortal, living or dead. But let him tell you the story himself, how he learned the most terrible secret in all the universe, and what he did with it. It
4: was an evening in September, the 15th to be exact, when I first learned of the existence of Elixir Number 4. It happened at Professor Jarman's house just off the college campus. You've heard of Jarman, of course. He was to chemistry what Einstein is to physics. But it was his daughter, Elaine, that I was interested in that evening in September when I rang their bell. hello, Alex. Oh, gosh, is
5: it that late? I'm not even dressed. Hi,
4: sweet. Snap it up, will you? The last show starts at 8.30. Oh, it
5: won't take me long. Wait for me in the library. I'll be ready in a jiffy.
4: I knew my way around the house. I went into the library, and the first thing I noticed was that the door to Professor Jarman's private study was ajar. It had never happened before. The private study and the laboratory beyond were forbidden territory in the Jarman home. Not even Elaine was allowed in there. And now the door was open. I'd heard stories of Jarman's experiments with new and secret formulae. So here was a chance. A possible chance to find out what the old Kaja was working on. I couldn't resist. I pushed open the door and I stepped into the private study. I could hear Jarman in the lab talking to himself. Elaine had told me once that he always talked to himself in the lab. I stood quietly in the study. But I couldn't make out what he was saying in there. I looked around. The study was just a small cubbyhole with a chair, a bookcase, and a desk. And on the desk, I saw the open diary. A single sentence was written on the open page. I stepped closer. And then, I got the first shock. For that sentence was written in Latin. My Latin was rusty, but I was able to decipher the words, Vitae secretum in elixir quartum perpetus habeo. In elixir number four, I have the secret of perpetus life. Perpetus. That was the one word I couldn't seem to place. In elixir number four, I have the secret of. Something. Life. I was puzzling over that word perpetus when suddenly the laboratory door was flung open. What are you doing at my desk? Oh, uh, hello, Professor Charman. I asked you, what are you doing at my desk? Well, the the study door was open. I I thought I'd see if you were in here. You were reading my diary. Oh, no, no, Professor. You saw the entry in my diary. Well, really, Professor, I assure you... You you read Latin. Latin? Well... I I don't understand. You're sure you don't understand that? No, no, I Hi I don't.
5: Am, Alex. Ready? What?
6: Well, Why well, there anything wrong? Elaine, I've told you time and again, no one is to be admitted to my study. Oh, I'm
5: sorry, Dad. You must have left the door open. Oh, Alex,
4: you're sure. I'm the terribly time. sorry, Elaine. I, I found the door open and I thought Professor Jarman was in here. I, I just wanted to say hello. All right, all right. No harm done, as long as you can't read Latin. Now get along, you two. I'm busy, but keep out of my study here. I took Elaine to the movies, but I haven't the faintest recollection of what the picture was about. Through my mind kept running that Latin sentence, We tie secretum in elixir quartum perpetus habeo." When I said goodnight to Elaine at her door after the show, I hurried home to my room and I got out an old Latin dictionary. I looked up the word "perpetus," And then... I got a strange, cold feeling down my spine, for the word "perpetus" meant perpetual. The Latin sentence which Jarman had written in his diary meant, in elixir number four, I have the secret of perpetual life. (laughs) Professor Jarman had discovered the secret of immortality. All the next day I conducted my chemistry classes purely by instinct. I couldn't take my thoughts from elixir number four. Every voice in the classroom seemed to sing the same refrain. Accomplished
5: by adding to a dilute solution of H2SO4 a quantitative. Immortality.
4: Never to know the fear of death. To live on serenely. To watch the world change through the centuries. Never to die. It grew on me like a festering tumor, this terrific dream of immortality, everlasting life. I had to have elixir number four. In the afternoon, the first free period I had, I went down the hall to Jarman's office. Come in. May I come in for a moment, Professor? Oh, it's you. Yes, come in. I haven't much time. Professor, uh, I want to apologize for last night. Uh, let's forget about it. No harm done. Well, whatever it was you had written in your diary, it uh, it must have been pretty important. Oh, no, no, not at all. Only some chemistry notes. Nothing of any importance. Just something I've been experimenting well, with. Well, I'd be very glad to assist you, Professor. Anything I could do, that I'd be... That's very kind of a young man, but I don't need any assistance, thank you. As a matter of fact, the experiment is completed. You mean you're all finished? All but the practical application. Oh. Well, couldn't I help you on that? It won't be necessary. Tonight, I'm taking the last step. Tonight? I knew what that meant. Tonight, he was going to use elixir number four. He was going to administer it to himself. I had to act tonight or never. Jarman's keys were on his desk. I distracted his attention, and I managed to pick them up without his noticing. Then I hurried across town to a locksmith and had him make duplicates of Jarman's house key, his study key, and his laboratory key. Then I returned to the college, and I managed to replace the keys on Jarman's desk while he was out. Now, I was ready for an adventure into immortality. At 8.30 that evening, I let myself into Charmin's house, opened the study door, and stepped quietly over to the laboratory. I knew Elaine was at a sorority meeting. The professor and I were the only ones in the house. Jarman was standing at the lab table with his back to me, talking away to himself. There was a small vial on the table oh, and a hypodermic four. syringe alongside the it. The quantity administered yesterday will be sufficient. At my age, since my blood is too thin, I require the additional dose. But a younger man would need only one injection to cause the necessary type change in his blood. Who's that? Good evening, Professor Charman. I hope I'm not interrupting What are you doing here? How did you get in? So elixir number four changes the bloodstream. What do you want in here? Quit stalling, Professor. I know what elixir number four is. Ah. So this is it. Elixir number four. Careful. Don't spill it. How much of this stuff have you got? Uh, That's all there is. Five cc's. You mean you haven't got any more? It took me five years to distill ten cc's. Before that, I experimented for ten years. I failed three times. And this is your fourth try. Elixir number four. And there isn't any more of it? It'll take me five years more to make up another bat. Please be careful. Don't drop it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I won't. You, uh... You said this is enough to make the average man immortal. Me, for instance? It's not for you. You hear me? Not for you. Oh, yes, it is, Professor. It's for me. I won't let you... What are you doing with that mallet? What do you think? No. I'm so sorry, Professor. Wait. I- I'll let you have it. Don't kill me. I've got to kill you. When I take this dose of elixir number four, I'll be immortal. And I don't want anyone to know it. Oh, wait, you fool. You'll never enjoy your immortality. You'll wish you were dead a thousand times. I'll come back to remind you, back to remind you. I didn't hit him hard enough to kill him. That wasn't part of my plan. But when he lay unconscious on the floor, I searched among the chemicals until I found what I wanted. I mixed some chemicals in a test tube and I watched the fumes forming. Then I held the test tube against Jarman's mouth, forcing the deadly gas into his lungs. When I was sure he was dead, I wiped the tube clean of my fingerprints and put it back in the rack. Then I picked up the vial of elixir number four, the hypodermic syringe, and I hurried away, locking all the doors behind me. As soon as I got home, I filled the hypo with elixir number four, and I gave myself the injection. Most immediately I felt a strange radiance pervading my body. A new strength was flowing in my blood. I was immortal. I couldn't die. I would go on living and living and living.
2: what's going on here? What's all this about living forever? If you ask me, it would be more of a curse than a blessing. Now, just suppose we all took a shot of this elixir number four. I think of all the people who'd lose their jobs. gravediggers and stone cutters and shroud makers and hearse drivers and... Why, go on. You see what I mean. Why, everybody'd be out of a job. We'd all practically starve to death.
3: Well, then, Mr. Host, maybe we can be glad that nobody has ever found the fountain of youth. You know, I think it's not a matter of trying to live forever. The important thing is to get more enjoyment out of every day. Mm -hmm.
2: For instance, Mary.
3: Well, for instance, one splendid way to get more enjoyment out of an otherwise dull day is to invite your friends in for tea. It's a delightful neighborly custom. Made even more delightful when the tea you serve is Lipton's Because there's so much extra pleasure in Lipton tea The party will seem more of a party The conversation will be more sparkling And your reputation as a thoughtful hostess will soar to the skies The moment your guests take their first sip of Lipton tea For Lipton's wonderful brisk flavor makes it a favorite with everybody So when friends drop in for tea Or the family gathers around the dinner table Serve them Lipton's Tea at its delicious best
2: And now let's get back to our story We're all anxious to see What this fellow Alex does With his secret of perpetual life Just imagine A man with all that time on his hands Time to kill And kill And kill
4: Immortality I had it in my blood. I could feel it pulsing in my veins. The vitality, the power. I had to establish an alibi. Not that I expected to need an alibi. Jarman's death would surely look like an accident or suicide when his body was found in the laboratory in the morning. But I wasn't taking any chances on a murder charge. I had so much more to lose now. Wouldn't it be ironic if they were to execute me for murder? (laughs) Me, an immortal? Next morning, I stopped at Jarman's house and rang the bell. I knew Elaine must have gone right to bed when she returned from the sorority meeting last night because she never disturbed her father when he was in the lab. But now, when she discovered that he hadn't been to bed all night, she'd want to investigate And I wanted to be there when the body was found.
5: Oh, good morning, Alex.
4: Hello, sweet. What's wrong? You look worried.
5: (laughs) Come on in. Alex, I am worried. Dad's still in the lab. He didn't go to bed last night.
4: Well, what of it? He must be working on something big.
5: No, no, I'm afraid something's happened. I, I knocked at the door just now and there was no answer.
4: The door was locked?
5: Yes, but I have a pass key. I wonder if I ought to use it.
4: Well, of course you should.
5: Please, Alex, you come with me.
4: Of course, darling. Together we opened the laboratory door. I was all set to act horrified when we discovered the body on the floor. But there was no need to act. I was horrified. For the the lab was empty. There was nothing on the floor. The body of Professor Jarman was gone. I don't know for how many hours after that that I walked the street. Confused, frightened, and uncomprehending. I tried to reason it out. How Jarman's body had walked out of that lab. There was only one solution. Jarman had already taken one dose of elixir number four. It must have counteracted the poison that I'd forced into him. He must have gotten up and then walked away. But where? And why? I recalled what he'd said before I hit him with the mallet. Yes, I could hear his voice faintly strumming at my brain. You'll never enjoy your immortality. You'll wish you were dead a thousand times. I'll come back to remind you... The next day I went to Elaine's house and I saw that she was taking her father's disappearance pretty hard.
5: Oh, Alex, I, I don't know what to make of it. Do you think that the dad, oh, that he's
4: No, no, take it easy, baby. Maybe he's just uh, suffering from amnesia. Maybe he just walked out of the house. He might turn up tomorrow.
5: I have a terrible feeling, Alex, that he's dead.
4: What makes you think so?
5: Oh, I don't know. Now, now,
4: please, Elaine, that won't do you any good.
5: Oh, but it's the uncertainty. If I only knew for sure. Alex. Hmm? Do you believe in mediums?
4: Communicating with the dead?
5: Do you believe a medium can put you in touch with the dead?
4: Oh, is that what you're thinking of, darling? Going to a medium?
5: Don't you see, Alex? If Dad... Oh, if Dad is dead, maybe... Maybe...
4: I was worried, too. I had to know if Jarman was dead or alive. I had to know before I could start enjoying life. Yes, yes, that might be a good idea, Elaine Can't hurt to try. There's a medium in town. Oh,
5: I... I don't know what I want to do. Let me think about it.
4: Sure, sure, darling. In the days that followed, I began to doubt whether I really was immortal. Was elixir number four really the elixir of life? Was I really going to live forever? If there was only some way to prove it. Then I remembered what Jamin had said, that the elixir caused a change of blood type. Well, that'd be easy enough to check. Elaine was taking a medical course, so I asked her to test my blood on the pretext that I thought I had anemia.
5: It won't hurt, Alex. The needle? Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) There, now I've got all the blood I need. Just sit here a minute while I make the test.
4: Well, uh, does it take long?
5: Mm, Only a minute. Alex!
4: She was excited. There was something different about my blood
5: then. Alex! Alex, come here quick. What? Look. Oh, look, Alex. I I can't be mistaken. Your blood... It's
4: a new type Elaine couldn't get over the discovery that my blood was a new type I'd asked her not to tell anyone about my new blood type But I knew she wouldn't be able to keep the secret for long And once it got out, people might begin to suspect what I already knew for sure That I was immortal Oh, I couldn't afford to have that known Because then everybody in the world would be envious of me They'd hate me too Because they'd know I could go on living long after they were dead Oh no No, it had to be a secret forever No one in the whole world must know Except myself And the only person who could spill the secret now Was Elaine So There was only one thing to do Mm -hmm. Elaine furnished the opportunity herself the next day.
5: Alex, I've been thinking about that medium. I've got to know if... if Dad is alive or... or dead.
4: All right, whatever you say, darling. If it'll make you feel any better. I'll go with you, of course. Just the two of us, huh? We made a date to go to the séance that evening. And I made my plans accordingly. I didn't intend that Elaine should leave the séance... Alive We arrived at the medium's house promptly at nine o'clock The medium asked Elaine and me to sit close to each other And then She put out
5: the lights Alex
4: It's all right, sweet I'm right here, I'm right next to you
5: I'm frightened There's nothing to
4: be frightened about, darling I'm right here with you
5: It's so dark I... I can't see anything I don't hear anything Where's the medium?
4: She's still here She's right across the table (laughs) She's gone into a trance
5: Do you think she'll Contact that spirit?
4: I don't know darling Wait and see I timed myself carefully Waiting for the moment When the medium Should be well into her trance Then I took out of my pocket Hypodermic syringe. I held the plunger in my left hand while I gripped Elaine's arm with my right my thumb over the artery.
5: Alex my arm, your fingers hurt.
4: It's all right, sweet. Slowly I brought the hypodermic needle up close to the artery. One bite of the needle, a single plunge of the plunger, and death would come almost instantaneously. and no one in the world could say that it hadn't been heart failure. But suddenly, just as I had the plunger ready, I heard... I heard something strange. A sound. In the room where there should have been no sound. You'll never enjoy your immortality. You'll wish you were dead a thousand times. I'll come back to remind you. Back the death. The voice to remind of the you dead. Back to remind you back to remind where are you? Jarman, stop. You're dead. You're dead, German. You can't be talking. You're dead. I saw your dead body. I killed you myself. Suddenly, the lights flashed up. The room was full of police.
5: Arrest him, officer. He killed my father. You heard his confession. That was... That was dad's voice, Alex. A recording. What? A recording? That's why he always talked to himself in the lab. He had a wire recording machine. He talked while he carried on his experiments so that there'd be a permanent record. The wire recorder picked up everything that was said in the lab the night you killed him. But we could never have proved it was your voice in court if you hadn't confessed just now. Yes,
4: but the body.
5: I found Dad dead that night when I got back from the meeting. And I hid the body until I could find his murderer. And now, Alex, I found him. (laughs)
4: Through the trial, Elaine sat and watched me. All the time the jury was out, she sat and watched me. And she watched me while they read the verdict of guilty. Her eyes never left me when I stood up to be sentenced and heard the judge say... Alex Gregory,
2: it is the judgment of this court that you be confined to the penitentiary... For the rest of your natural life.
4: (laughs) Me. Me of all people. Me sentenced to imprisonment for life. Me in whose veins runs the precious elixir number four. Imprisonment for the rest of my natural life. Which means forever.
2: You know, I feel kind of sorry for Alex. He really got a tough break. Locked up in a cell for all eternity and no way out. Yes, looks like they'll have to build a new jail around him every thousand years or so. Of course, there's one way out for him. He could let his beard grow for a couple of centuries, and when it gets long enough, he could hang himself. Oh,
3: imagine <laughs> such a thing, Mr.
2: Host. Yes, it would be sort of... Breathtaking, wouldn't it, Mary? (laughs) Poor Alex. He probably had many good impulses in his lifetime. As the trouble is, he didn't follow them.
3: Well, Mr. Host, I'm afraid that's something we all do every now and then. For instance, perhaps some of you Inner Sanctum fans have promised yourselves the pleasure of trying Lipton tea, but somehow just haven't gotten around to it. Or maybe you've just forgotten it when you're writing out your grocery list. Well, this time, make sure. Add Lipton tea to your grocery list right now. For until you do try it, you're missing a real treat. Why not start enjoying lively, full-bodied Lipton tea beginning tomorrow?
2: And now, friends, before I say goodnight, here's a pleasant bit of philosophy. Biologists tell us that all life starts in a little cell. And for convicted murderers, it ends there, too. (laughs) Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is Death in the Limelight by A.E. Martin. And next week's Inner Sanctum story, brought to you by the makers of Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup, and directed by Hyman Brown, next week's story is called You'll never escape. So, if you feel in a capturing mood, join us next Tuesday. Until then, good night. Pleasant dream. Mm?
3: Friends, you want to know how to make an ordinary meal into a feast? Start it right. Start it bright with tempting, heartwarming Lipton's Noodle Soup. Lipton's Noodle Soup is ready to serve in a jiffy, and what a treat it is. Lots of tender, golden noodles and a world of real chickeny flavor that makes it taste homemade. It's economical, too. Lipton's Noodle Soup mix costs less and makes lots more than canned soups. So try Lipton's Noodle Soup real soon. And don't forget to tune in next week at the same time... ...for another Inner Sanctum
2: Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Stay tuned for Archie Andrews up next on Theatre of the Mind. But first, if I may, may I, I offer up a little plea for a donation... ...for my efforts into Movember. I'm growing a full beard... And it's all helping raise money to help with men's health, whether it be mental health or any of the various cancers that men have to deal with. And if you would go to Movember Canada, enter my name, Frank Proctor, and a certain amount, whatever you can afford, I'd appreciate that so much. Thank you. Upcoming, Archie Andrews coming by very shortly. Time now for Archie Andrews and the episode The Red Cross Benefit.
7: Hello? Hello, Chuck. This is Archie. Come over right away. It's a matter of life or death. Oh, relax, Archie.
8: Relax.
6: Yes, and you relax too, folks, if you can, because here he is again, right
2: out of the pages of Archie Comics Magazine with all his gang.
6: Well, it's Saturday afternoon. As we look in on the Andrews home in Riverdale, we find Mr. Andrews seated in the living room, happily reading his paper. As he to hi, Dad.
9: Uh
6: huh. Oh, oh, hello, Sam. Hello, Sam. Dad, can
7: I have the comics, please? <laughs> <laughs>
6: <coughs> no what? Oh, oh, comics No, 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 Archie You certainly may not
7: She whiz Well, how about the sports section, huh?
6: <laughs> sports section Huh? <laughs> no, no, Archie, no, no you, you cannot have the sports section Or the comic section Or any other section I'm reading this paper, and you can't have any of it. Now, is that clear? She was, yes, Dad. Yes. <clears throat> Archie, for Pete's sakes, what are you doing down there on the floor?
7: I thought I might be able to see the front
6: page from down here. Oh, good grief, Archie. Get up off the floor. Yes,
7: Dad. Haven't
6: you anything better to do than <laughs> heckle me while I'm trying to read this paper? Why don't you uh, call up Veronica? I have nothing to talk to her about. Well, there must be something you can do, some place you'd like to go. Well, I would like to go to the movies. Fine, fine. Here, here's a dollar. Go ahead, go to the movies. Stay and and, and see it twice.
7: Oh, gee whiz, thanks, Dad. I will. Thanks a million. See you later.
6: Yes. Oh, boy, I can really enjoy
9: I'm
6: busy right now. Me. Uh, <laughs> What is it, dear?
9: Run next door and borrow two onions. I need them for dinner.
6: Onion, but, Mary, it's a long time until dinner.
9: I, I, I... know it, but just do what oh, I say. I
6: want to go and get... All oh, right, Mary, all right, I'll go. But I don't know why you have to borrow things all the time. Yes, two onions for
9: dinner. That man can really be... Oh, no, who can that be? Hello? Hello?
8: Yes. this is Genevieve Lodge. Well, Mrs. Lodge, hello. Yes, yes. And, Mrs.
9: Andrew, I wanted to talk to you about the Red Cross. As you know, the Red Cross Fund is conducting its drive all this month. Yes. And they do such wonderful work. Their service to veterans, to the armed forces, to communities in of the disaster and so
8: on. So oh, of course,
9: Mrs. Lodge. Everyone knows the wonderful work of the Red Cross.
8: Well, tonight I'm giving a big party
9: for the benefit of the Red Cross. A party? Yes, with refreshments and hors d'oeuvres and everything. I'm charging admission with all the money to go to the red cross. That's a wonderful idea, Mrs. Lodge. Yes, isn't it? But I do so want it to be as glorious as that, and I was wondering whether your husband would
8: perform tonight. Perform? Yes.
9: He tells such wonderfully funny stories, and i love to tell them tonight. Oh, oh, I see. Why, of course, Fred will be glad to. Oh, wonderful, my dear, this wonderful. Thank you so much. I'll see you tonight. We'll be there. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, dear. I hope Fred doesn't mind. Maybe Hi. I should you're your onions. Oh, thank you, dear. But, Fred, Mrs. Lodge just called.
6: Mrs. J- Lodge, well, what about her? Well, she's giving a benefit party for the Red Cross tonight. Oh, you, you you didn't say we go, did you? Well, there's no way to talk. Now, Mary, I have nothing against the Red Cross. In fact, I have already given them one contribution, and I'm I'm going to send them another check before the month is over. But, but those parties of Mrs. Lodge. Now, the Fred, bunch I of, told... of stuffy people and 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 stale hors d'oeuvre that no one can eat. Yes, but And, I and could... that Mrs. Lodge just Pawning all over everybody. Oh, my dear. Yes, my dear. How are you, my darling? Mary, I am not going to that party.
9: But Fred, she asked if you would tell your jokes.
6: I don't care what she... Tell my jokes? Uh, me? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> well, Mary, there's nothing I'd rather do than go to Mrs. Lodge's party tonight. <laughs> Oh, Mary, Mary, what are you doing? Chopping onions. Chopping ice. Oh, well, dear, I finally got my routine all set for the party. Would you, would you listen to it, dear? I want to get your reaction... The...
9: Why, of course, dear. Go right
6: ahead. Yes. Well, I thought I would uh, begin
9: by. Uh, uh,
6: well, go on. Go on. I'm listening. Oh, uh, uh, all right, dear. I thought you were. Uh, I thought I, I would uh, begin. Well, go ahead. Mary, I would go ahead if you would stop chopping those confounded onions for just one minute.
9: Oh, I'm sorry, dear.
6: Go ahead. You have my undivided attention. All right, dear. All right. Now, tonight at that party, I'll, I'll make a few introductory remarks, you know, and then, then I'll lead into my first joke. Yes. I'll say, that reminds me of a funny story.
9: Oh, what reminds you of a funny story?
6: Something I will have said in the introduction, Sorry. Oh, oh. well, go ahead, dear. All right. Now, I, I'll say... That reminds me of a funny story. <laughs> a story of an old maid who finally married <laughs> an x-ray specialist because he, he was, was the only, only one, who one who ever, ever saw, saw
9: anything in
6: her. Anything in her. Uh, <laughs> her. Uh, what, Mary, what, what did you say? I
9: said because he was the only one who ever saw anything in her. Sorry.
6: B- but but I was going to say that, Mary. That's my... <laughs> Mary, don't ever do that when someone's trying to tell a joke. It, it upsets people. It, it frustrates them. It confuses them. Oh, I'm
8: sorry,
9: dear. But half
6: the nervous people in this country got that way just from not being allowed to tell the last lines of jokes.
9: I said I'm <laughs> sorry, dear. I won't interrupt oh, again. Oh,
6: thanks. All right, dear. All right. So just see that you don't. Not nice. Now... After I, I tell this joke about the x-ray specialist, <laughs> then I have a very funny story about the lightning bug who got caught in the lawnmower.
9: Oh, that must be a new one, dear. How does it go? Well,
6: first of all, I say, um, do you know what the lightning bug said when he got caught in the lawnmower? Oh, no? well, he said, I... Uh, want." He's uh, <clears throat> The lightning bug said... No, oh, no.
9: Well, Fred, go ahead. What did the lightning bug say?
6: Well, the, the lightning bug said when he got oh, great! I can't tell jokes with that going on. Is that Archie back from that movie already?
9: Well, he must be. Archie! My
6: Archie! My Archie! Calling me,
7: Dad?
6: Yes. Come in
7: here. Okay, Dad. Come up the well, steaming no on more. When are you do that? That infernal
6: uh, singing. Well, gee, Dad, that's just how the guy
7: did it in the picture. He said it, oh, How gee, I love it, How I love it. do not ya. care
6: how the guy did it in the picture. Be quiet. Well, gee, I'm sorry,
7: Dad.
9: Yeah, the boy was only singing. I know,
6: I know that, and I have, I have no objections to singing as such. But Archie, you never think of anyone but yourself. You come in here singing at the top of your lungs with no thought of whether somebody might be busy or or sick or or dying for that matter. I love you. Oh, I love you, my Oh, just terrible. I'm sorry, Jack. Well, you have to show a little consideration for others. Yes, Dad. You are not a child anymore. Yes, Dad, I know oh, if you expect to... Uh, get... Archie, are you crying? Well, yes, Dad, but it doesn't matter. It's so Fred, nice.
9: you see, <laughs> I told you you're too harsh with the boy. Mary,
6: really, I, I didn't... Uh, uh, what did I say to make him uh, to cry? Well,
9: he's crying, isn't he? But, Bob, I, I... Fred, I think you should absolutely apologize to the boy.
6: Apologize? Well, all right, Mary, I I will. Archie, son, yes. I'm... I'm... sorry. Well, will you accept your poor old dad's apology? I... I accept your apology, Dad. Fine. That <laughs> what incarnation are you still crying about? I said I'm sorry! Well, well that's just it, Dad. I, I wasn't crying because of anything you said.
8: There must be onions around here someplace. <laughs>
9: I've been chopping onions in this bowl. Is that what's
8: making you cry? Sure, Mommy. You know how sensitive I am (laughs) now.
9: Great.
6: Mary, I told you that I did not say anything to make that boy cry.
9: I'm sorry. But sure, I, I feel fine.
6: Oh, oh, oh yes, you are fine. Look, if you can't stand Onions, go into the other room, Archie, but just be quiet. Okay, Dad, I'm going. I, I sure can't
8: stand
6: those Onions. Well, certainly, glad that's over. Well, Mary, perhaps now I can tell you what the lightning bug said when he got caught in the lawnmower. Yes.
9: Fred, go right ahead.
6: Well, when the lightning bug got caught in the lawnmower, (laughs) he said, (laughs) D-lighted, (laughs) no end. Fred, that's very funny. Very, very funny. (laughs) Mary, are you crying at my joke?
9: All right, I I guess these onions are getting me
8: too.
6: Oh well, well I guess I'll go someplace else and rehearse. Even Jack Benny couldn't be funny around here. <laughs>
7: Sure, yeah, sure feels good. Funny thing, how I just get near an onion and I fall all to pieces. And I wonder. hi Archie? She was jughead. What'd you expect, Uncle Remus? <laughs> Gee, Jug, I wish you'd been here a little while ago. I just saw a swell picture all about Al Jolson. Oh, I heard that was pretty good. Yeah, but I can do as good as that guy. I bet you. Oh, sure. Better, in fact. You want to hear me? Sure, go ahead. Okay, listen to this. Mammy, my little mammy The sun shines deep, the sun shines wet But well, I've just learned west, where the sun shines Mammy,
8: Mammy
7: Who is singing this anyway? I just joined in a little Well, don't! I'm trying to show you how I would do that song Okay, okay all right, now I'll try another one. Now listen. What if no I love you? now I love you. My, my dear old wife. Like I give the world to me? And Jughead. Huh? Jughead, just what do you think you're doing? Singing. <laughs> Jug, it so happens that I'm trying to show you how I can imitate Larry Park imitating Al Jolson. Well, I'm just imitating Archie Andrews, imitating Larry Parks, imitating Al Johnson. <laughs> I know it. But can't you even keep quiet for just a minute? Why? I like to sing. Judge, you can sing all you want to, but right now I but just you want. You said to... I could keep quiet? Well, that doesn't mean you can't but to... I keep quiet and still sing? But, if you didn't talk so much, I'm trying to do a little. I'm trying to. Look, I'm trying to imitate Al Johnson. All you have to do is give me a little chat. What are you arguing about? Huh? Oh, oh. Oh, hello, Betty. Where did you come from?
9: I saw you from my house, so I came out. What's the big
7: argument? Well, Archie told me I couldn't sing. I did not, Jug. I just asked you to listen to me sing. Since when can you sing? I can sing a lot better than you. Oh, yeah? Yes, I well, certainly wait can. Wait a, oh, a minute. Say... Wait a minute. Since when can either of you sing? Well, that's just the point, Betty. I just wanted to show Jughead I can imitate Al Jolson as good as anyone.
9: You, Archie?
7: Sure. You want to hear me?
9: Well... I should know better, but go ahead.
7: Okay, listen. There's a rainbow round my shoulder. and a sky of blue above. Now the sunshine's bright. The world's all right. Because I'm in love. <laughs> yeah, Betty, how did you like that?
9: Oh, golly, Archie, that was awfully nice. Did you mean it?
7: Mean what? The song. The part about your being in love. Oh, never mind what the song said. What about my imitation of Al Jones? Did you? Oh boy, there's Veronica.
9: Hi, Jeff. Hi, Betty. Hi, Veronica. Hi. Hello, Archie. <laughs> Hi, y'all. Archie King. The... <laughs> I'm um, looking forward to our date tonight, Archie. See ya. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> even if you are wasting your time with Betty right now. Wasting your time? Wasting it? Your... Well, if you're so smart, Miss Lodge, it just happens that Archie has been serenading me. What? Archie? Yes, he just sang me a love song. But I was- Didn't he, Douglas? Oh, sure. Archie, is this
7: true? Oh, well, I- was, Of course it's true. It sure is. Well, I like that. Oh, Veronica, you don't understand, well, I He can sang, explain. the
9: sun shines bright, the world's alright, cause I'm in love. Right to
7: me, so there.
9: Archie, did you? He
7: sure did. Don't be quiet, Veronica, I can Some explain- I'm not the least interested in your well, explanations, Archie
9: Angel. If you're gonna sail around on the street serenading every girl you meet, you can just go out with someone else tonight. But, Veronica, but
8: Veronica!
9: <laughs> but Veronica! Wait, Veronica! Oh, Veronica!
7: She was, gee, she was pretty sore. Oh,
9: golly, Archie, I'm awfully sorry. I, I didn't mean to spoil your whole evening for you.
7: Oh no, Betty, you didn't spoil my evening. Not at all. I've been looking forward to playing gin rummy with Jughead for a long time. <laughs>
9: Red, you
6: ready? Ready as I'll ever be, dear. Well, is Archie going with us?
9: Well, I don't think so, dear. This morning he said he had a date with Veronica for tonight.
6: Veronica? Why, isn't she going to be at her own mother's party?
9: Evidently not. Well, let's go, dear.
6: All right, Mary. You know, something tells me we're going to have a very enjoyable evening at the lodges. <laughs>
9: Van So glad you got here. Hello, Mrs. Mrs. Are we terribly late? Oh, no, 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 not at all. Uh, dear Mrs. Hastings will say uh, come in and sit down. All right.
6: Oh, Mary, good grief. Listen to that. I hey, be
8: quiet.
9: i sit right there, Mrs. Andrews. Oh, uh, you sit there, Miss Andrew? <laughs> Thank you. Oh. Yes.
8: Mm. Mm.
9: Mm. Oh, man. I, I, I didn't say anything, dear. stop
8: fidgeting. Mm. Mm. Oh. Oh.
6: Thank heaven for that. Oh, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I thought that you had. lovely. Why? <laughs> lovely. Lovely. It was wonderful. Mary, don't overdo it. She's liable to play an encore. Oh. Uh,
9: evitations, dear girl. That was delightful. Simply delightful. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, and
1: now, now, everyone,
9: everyone. Now, uh, on behalf of the Red Cross, for whom this gathering is being held, I thank and now, uh, pardon me a moment, uh, I see what our next bit of entertainment will be. Uh, she's coming over yes. here. Oh, yes, oh, and Mr. Andrews. It?
6: Oh, uh, Mrs. Lodge, that was a very lovely number, very <laughs> lovely, yes. Lovely. Oh,
9: lovely. I've heard better. Mother, mm-hmm. mother, oh, hello Mr. Mrs. Angel. Oh, hello, dear. Hello, Veronica. Mother, some of the guests are leaving. Ma- Oh my goodness! I was afraid of that, uh, Mister Andrews. Do something before this party dies on its
6: feet. Yes, of course.
9: By goodness, if any more people leave, we won't get any money at all for the Red Cross. Uh, uh, please tell your joke. All
6: right, Mrs. Lodge. I'll do my best. Oh, fine. Uh, well, I'll introduce you before it's too late. <laughs> <Thank> uh, quiet,
9: <laughs> quiet, everybody, <laughs> everyone, quiet. Now, uh, dear dear friends, our our next bit of entertainment. We'll come from a man you all know well. A man who has deservedly won a reputation for his quick wit uh-huh, and sense of humor. Uh, and, and who will now tell us some of his amusing stories.
8: Mr. Fred and <laughs> Good luck, ah! Oh,
6: thank, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, Mrs. Lodge, for that very <laughs> uh, flattering introduction. You read it just the way I wrote it.
8: <laughs>
6: uh, for a while there I, I thought you weren't going to introduce me at all. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a wallflower tonight. <laughs> yeah, which reminds me of a very funny story that I, I just heard about a, an old maid who had tried to find a husband for many years. Well,
8: she,
6: finally she succeeded in getting someone to marry her, a ex Ray specialist. It seems that he was the only... Well, well, um, it seems that this X-ray specialist was the only one who could <laughs> see... Well,
9: Mr. Andrews, uh, forgive me for interrupting you, but we can't hear you very well with that horrible noise. am not
6: surprised. I can't hear myself.
9: What on earth can it be? Well, I've no idea. Uh, well, it seems to stop now. Yes, yes it has stopped. Uh, continue, Mr. Andrews. I, I'm terribly sorry.
6: Oh, I... That's quite all right. Well, this x ray. Oh, from... good heavens, there it goes again. Oh, Mary, from can that be? out in the
9: garden. I don't know. I, I never heard anything like that. Well, I
6: did just today.
9: Fred, where are you going? The bullet
8: stopped to that racket. Archie! Archie! Huh? Somebody
7: called me? I certainly did. Archie, you come in here.
8: Gee, where's
6: this? Is that you, Dad? Yes, it
7: certainly is, young man. Gee, Dad, what are you doing here? I was. Oh, well, gee. Hello, everybody. Hello, young man. Hello, everybody. No,
6: oh, for Pete's sakes, Jughead.
7: <laughs> Who'd you expect?
6: Enrico Caruso?
9: Forsyth? <laughs> Forsyth, be quiet. Archie, just what were you doing out in the garden? Oh, gee,
7: Mrs. Lodge, I. I didn't know you were having a party. Well, we were, till you started that noise. Gee, I'm sorry, oh, I dear, only... Oh,
9: dear, that wasn't noise. That was singing. What? Oh, yes, Mother. Archie is quite a singer. In fact, you ought to have him sing for the party.
6: Yeah. What? Oh,
9: oh, but I you couldn't... Hey, Say, Archie, do you sing? Who oh, me? Oh,
6: oh, no, Mrs. Archie. Archie,
9: I serious. Mother, you've never heard anything like it. Oh, but I... But I
6: was just telling my Veronica, dear,
9: that's a wonderful Mm -hmm. idea. A little popular music is just what we need to liven things up.
6: But, Mrs. Lodge, what about my jokes? Uh, A little later, a
9: little later, Mr. Andrews. Not right now. And uh, Mrs. Hastings, Mm -hmm. Mrs. Hastings, dear girl, would you...
6: Archie, you and I I are going to have a long, long
7: talk. Gee, Dad, how did I know this would happen?
9: Now, now, what are you going to sing, Archie?
7: Well... Since this is for the Red Cross, I think an appropriate tune would be Sunny Boy. Oh. It wasn't in the picture, Mrs. Lodge, but it's Al Jolson's greatest song. Oh, well, now
9: that's fine. Now, uh, uh, Miss Hastings, uh, Archie, like, you uh, are so going fun. to make oh, a fool of yourself? Fred, it's too late now. Now, uh, 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 everybody, everybody. Archie Andrews will now sing Sunny Boy. Uh, Archie, just stand by you that table there.
7: All right, Mrs. Lodge. Ready when you are, Mrs. Hastings.
8: Climb upon my knee Sunny boy You are only three Sunny boy You've no way of knowing There's no way of showing What you mean to me Sunny boy When there our gray skies I don't I don't mind Those gray skies You make them blue, Sunny Boys Oh Friends May forsake Me Let them Let them don't forsake me. You'll pull me through, sunny boy. You're sent from heaven, and I know your worth. You've made a heaven for me. Right here on earth And then the angels grew lonely They took you They took you because they were so lonely Now I'm lonely too So
9: with the pub. Such emotion. Archie. Yes. You were sensational. So moving. Yes. Darling, you were great. I yes,
6: you you were terrific. Oh, yes, it wasn't anything.
9: And Archie, I apologize for thinking you couldn't sing. You deserve a
8: great big year. Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I apologize, too, son. You, you were fine.
9: Oh, I'm so proud of you, dear. Thanks, Mom. Now, excuse me a moment, Archie. Uh, this is the psychological moment to take up another Red Cross collection. Now, people, I want all of you to show yes. your appreciation. I had I no fun. idea
6: I, I, I'd be such a hit. Well, neither did I, son. Why, you You almost had me in tears the way you sang that. Why didn't you tell your mother and me, Archie, about this secret talent?
7: Talent? Jack- no. That wasn't talent, what? huh? Well sure you, you see that table I was standing next to? You mean
6: the one with the sandwiches and the hors d'oeuvre?
7: Sure, Dad. Onions. Remember?
6: Ah, uh, Onions. Oh, onions.
8: Gee, you mean all so onions on, on the on team of you for like one part of the <laughs>
6: Another chapter of The Adventures of Archie Andrews written by Carl Zantel and based on the copyrighted feature appearing in Archie Comics magazine. Archie is played by Bob Hastings, Jughead by Harlan Stone. This program is directed by Kenneth McGregor. Listen next week for more of The Merry Adventures of Archie Andrews. This is Bob Sherry wishing you a very pleasant weekend. So long.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night it's Nightbeat, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.